Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by James Hardy Siding, the best siding on the planet. You know, I was talking about the expansion and contraction of the soil. That's what causes the majority of foundation problems is that expansion and contraction of the soil. Now, we all think it's always the builder's fault. No, it's the soil under the foundation. Typically, the foundation is doing what it was designed to do. It's sitting there, and they're called floating foundations because they basically float on top of the soil. So as the soil moves up and down, so goes the foundation. So there's a lot of ways to take care of your foundation, you know, irrigation systems in order to keep the soil hydrated because it's impossible to keep it dry all the time. So by keeping a moisturing all the way around the foundation, you help to stabilize it. Tree roots take a tremendous amount of moisture out of the soil. Well, when the moisture comes out, that area goes down, hence you got a foundation problem. So root barriers can be installed in order to keep the tree roots from taking moisture out from under a soil. In fact, I uh, gave a guy a, a bid on a commercial project this week for a huge amount of root barrier because it's causing major problems on the interior of a foundation on a commercial building. They, it, it's great for preventative maintenance. Uh, drainage systems, you know, too much water can have the same effect because if you oversaturate the soils, it turns to mush doesn't have the bearing strength to hold a foundation. Now, when you're having an issue with your foundation, I know a lot of times it's, hey, let's, let's put this off. We'll, we'll deal with it next year. The longer you wait, the more likely it is you have to have full-blown foundation repair. By dealing with it early, you can deal with it on these preventative maintenance issues. But when you wait, now you're getting into the expensive stuff you got to do piers around the foundation. If you wait too long, like with the tree roots I was just talking about, the interior of the building can go down. That gets extremely expensive because you can either take care of that by jackhammering through your concrete slab, and that's just like going out on the highway when they're doing construction work and taking care of patches. You see them jackhammering all that dust. You don't want that in your living room. Well, the way to avoid that is tunneling. Well, again, that's extremely expensive. It is just much better to catch your foundation problems early on and deal with the maintenance issues. We are at that time of year where the weather is changing rapidly during the day. I mean, I was mowing the yard last night, and by the time I finished getting near dark, I was getting right down chilly. But you come inside the house, you didn't need the heater yet because our days are still warm enough that it's heating up the walls, and the attic, and the insulation holds that heat well into the night. And that's how your insulation works. It, it, you know, it's basically a resistance to the heat. It's how long is it going to take the heat to transfer to get into our cool space. Well, in the winter months, it's just the opposite. But nonetheless, that's how insulation works. And that's the reason, even though we get real chilly outside, if you got good insulation in the house, you're not having to turn the heaters on yet. Well, that's all getting ready to change because once the daytime temperatures start dropping, now we're going to be flipping between heating and air conditioning to keep our house comfortable. And if you haven't had your unit serviced yet, I really recommend you getting it done, especially if you got gas heat. 
I have had several calls this week and emails regarding gas heaters that have a crack in the heat exchange. And you do not want to be running your heat with a crack in the heat exchange. That's how you get toxic gases into your home. And, you know, a lot of times we don't even notice that we're having the issue. We're, get, we're getting headaches and, and things like that. We're not feeling well, but we don't associate it with the heater for the home. Now, I love gas heat. Don't get me wrong. But you got to maintain it. Get it checked. If you got gas heat, get it serviced. You know, we're supposed to have our air conditioning unit serviced twice a year, once in the spring, once in the fall. And that's whether you have gas or electric. But definitely, if you've got gas heat, do not bypass that pro process. It's a safety issue. And, you know, whether you got any regards for your own life, you don't want everybody else in the family to have issues. Get it checked. It's not that expensive. Wade, this is Jim. How can I help you? Good afternoon. I don't get to listen very often, but I do enjoy the show. I am moving today, and the house does not have but about six and a half, maybe six inches of insulation in the attic. I don't know what the ventilation is like. Um, right now, I'm limited on money. Uh, what should I do first, insulation, ventilation, what? If you've got six and a half inches, and you ha if and I'm, I'm going to give you the scenarios, if you have no ventilation at all, I would do the ventilation first. Uh, it's going to be, be roof, eaves, both, because they okay. ventilation you have to have the soffit vents and the roof vent in order for it to be ventilated. If it doesn't have those two items, that's got to be dealt with first. Okay. Uh, secondary would be then to put additional insulation in the attic. Okay. Fantastic. And, and realistically, adding neither one of those are going to be real expensive. Uh, for the ventilation, you can call um, Arrington Roofing. They do a great job on that. And even though they're a roofing company, uh, Chris Arrington is a degreed uh, architect. And so he understands the importance of that ventilation, and he makes that part of his business. He's got guys that all they do is go out and take care of ventilation like that. So you can contact him for that. And then for the insulation, you've really got choices on that. I mean, you can buy bad insulation and roll it out over the existing insulation, or you can just have more insulation blown in, or you can blow it in yourself. I mean, the machines are available for that. So you got three ways of doing it. My personal preference is to use bat insulation and roll it out. And the main reason for it, blown-in insulation will tend to settle over time where the bat insulation, once you roll it out and lay it there, it's there to stay. And since you've got about, you know, six inches up there already, go across the ceiling joists okay. instead of with them. So it's more like a, a checkerboard. Okay, I do most of the work myself, so I was yeah. just wondering which would be cheaper. And Yep, that that would be the easiest way, and when you put it up there, unfaced no paper on it right so you don't have a vapor barrier yep because you've already got that the, you know the paper was already on there from the original construction so anytime you add you don't need the the additional paper on it okay and if i have any other types of questions does your website cover some stuff oh absolutely all right fantastic i really appreciate it
you bet you take care and good luck with the new house. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. And just, you know, for everybody's information, adding insulation is relatively inexpensive for a house. I mean, it doesn't take a lot to do it. The same with adding ventilation for the attic. It really isn't that expensive to get it done, but it makes a huge difference, not only to the comfort of the home, but the energy bills and everything. And the ventilation for the attic can make a big difference on the longevity of the roof shingles uh, and and the efficiency of the insulation. When When an attic's not properly ventilated, it can tend to build up too much humidity. That humidity ruins the insulation in an attic. It makes it less effective. So that's the reason I say, let's fix the ventilation first, then we can get our insulation fixed. Bill, this is Jim. How can I help you? Thank you for taking my call. We live with a water well, so needless to say, the, it's nice not having a water bill. However, with electric water heaters, the calcium buildup on them uh, seems to make us burn through water heaters really quickly. So. Yep. I'm wondering what your suggestion is for that because we go through, we have actually three in our house, and it seems like as soon as we get one of them replaced, another one goes out, and that's a bit frustrating. So oh, what's man. your thought on it? Well, you're correct. You, you're Probably the water getting out of the well is hard water, uh, a oh, lot yeah. of mineral deposits and such. Your easiest fix is to put a water softener on the system. Oh, really? Yep. And That'll you're going to spend as much. Oh yeah, it, it, yeah, it'll it'll solve all those type of problems for the hard waters, and uh, wow. you'll spend about as much on that water softener as you would on a water heater. But what you're going to find is you won't be buying water heaters any longer. Uh, that'd be great, uh, absolutely great. So, because uh, we also have uh, all of our faucets have the calcium buildup on them, and yep. it's just and I've I've heard that there's a system you can get that'll actually vibrate your whole plumbing and it kind of keep that calcium buildup from happening. Is are those, is that true, or is that just a false advertisement? Yeah, I, I have not seen any of those that work yet. Oh wow! Okay. Excellent. So yeah, stick stick with the tri- yeah stick with the, the the tried and true. Now, the, what they'll do is you know if you get a good company that comes out, they're going to test the water and design the softener system based on the water that you have, and right. so that that will solve the the problems with it. And uh, Water Event is a company that I've used in the past that I know does a great job. You can reach them at nine seven two. Two three three, sixteen forty six. Excellent. Well, excellent. I appreciate your help. You bet. Take care, Bill. Joe, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hello, Jim. Joe, there, and you're here. Listen, buddy, I've got a question for you. I've got a couple of rent houses in the Heights in Houston, so I'm in the Houston area, uh-huh. and uh, I've been getting one ready for rental. And I noticed that uh, one of my drains is really slow running in one of the restrooms, and I was wondering if you have any products that you could recommend that I pour in there besides I, you know, besides me having to take the whole thing apart. It's a, it runs, but it's just very slow. So I went to the hardware store, and there's a million products. That's yeah. Like, Man, which one will work? And I don't want to waste money on all that stuff. My experience work. with all of them is none of them work. Okay. Uh, is this a, a, a 
shower or a sink or what is it? It's a sink in the restroom. Okay. Typically what causes that in the in the sinks in the wet restroom is they tend to get a lot of black sludge buildup yeah. right there underneath the stopper. Uh-huh. Normally what I do, take the stopper out, spray some scrubbing bubbles down in there. Okay. And use a toothbrush to clean it out. Okay. And then rinse it with hot water, and you'll find it starts flowing like new again. Okay, so the clog is going to be right there at the neck. Probably. It's going to be right there at the neck. Yep. Yeah, because I, I went to the, one of the hardware stores, uh, and they said this stuff called Liquid Tiger is supposed yep. to work. Have you ever heard of that stuff? I've I've heard of it, but again, I've never seen any of them take the stuff off because usually that sludge is like a, a you know half inch thick. Oh really? Oh, Lord. And so you know, it just it, it'll it'll work on the surface and make it flow a little bit better, but it doesn't uh-huh. clean it up, and that's the reason for using the toothbrush to reach down in there and get it cleaned up good. A lot of times, what you're going to find is there's a, a a big knotty ball of hair down in there that's got to be cleaned out is, as I'm well, sure, yeah. and that's what starts it. Yeah, I mean, it it runs down. It just takes a a few seconds for it to yep. run down. It's not completely clogged. This yeah. Is why I thought, well, there might be some kind of product to dissolve the hair down there. Yep. But I guess not. Okay, buddy. Thanks a lot. You bet. Take care. Bye bye. Bye. Jane, you're up. How can I help you today? Hi. We've got three paneled bedrooms, and we want to paint them. Okay. What's your What's your advice on doing that? And is it pan the paneling? Is it wood paneling or is it the photograph wood. stuff? No, it's wood. It's been on the walls for forty years. It's kind of thick. Okay. Not flimsy or anything. It's it's actually a very easy process. Uh, you'll have to wash the walls down first with a degloser, and okay. uh, Peso makes one that works very well. Uh, but you. can you can get that deglosser at any paint store that you, you go to. Ace Hardware has it as well. And then after that, put a primer coat on and go ahead and paint it. Okay. It's it's relatively simple. Sounds good. We'll the, do the, it. The, but the whole key is to use that deglosser. If you the don't, what ha- yeah, if you don't use a deglosser, make sure that you get all that you know, uh, where it's, where it's uh, cleaned up well, what right. happens is the paint will start peeling. Correct. But with that deglosser, that takes care of it, and uh, you're good to go. Okay, great. Thanks a lot. You bet. Take care. Now, I mentioned the member site, and uh, those are emails I answer myself, so uh, I thought I'd pull a question or two from that, and we'll get things started with it. Arrest. Restoration company replaced our hardwood floor after a fire. There are soft spots where the glue used did not stick. What is best solution? Well, here's the bad part. Glue down on concrete is questionable at best, in my opinion. Because if there's any moisture that comes up through the concrete, you're subject to having the glue start to let loose. And and the reason for it is, you know, most of the glues, when they start getting wet, they soften up. And the next thing you know, you're walking across that wood floor and you hear that little sticky sound because the glue is no longer holding like it's supposed to. And the bad part, there ain't a darn thing we can do about it from the surface. 
The only true way to fix it is the floor's got to come up and be put down. I recommend always on concrete floors, if you're in any area where there's any type of moisture, and we all are, use a floating wood floor or put it up on screeds like they used to do back in the 50s. You know, back in the 50s, they'd pour hot tar on there, set two by fours on their side down into the hot tar. That would glue them into place, and then the wood floors were nailed on top of that. Those were some great floors. Now, by trying to glue them directly down onto the concrete, we start running into these type of issues. Our alternative is to use a floating wood floor. You put down a membrane that uh, is kind of like a cushion, but it's also a sound deadener and a moisture protector, and the wood floor snaps together on top of that and just sits there and floats. And that's what I have in my house. And... I'm here to tell you that is the best way to combat moisture coming up through the concrete. And a house can sit there for 30 years and not have any moisture come up, and all of a sudden it starts happening because something changes around the house. Drainage from a neighbor changes. A tree dies. A tree grows too big. Uh, you start, you put in an irrigation system. There's, there's any number of things that can cause this to start happening. But again, the best way to avoid having problems is don't glue the floor down on concrete. If you want to glue it or nail it, which is better, on the second floor, that's fine. I just wouldn't do it on the first floor. Now, there are, also, there are some alternatives. If you want a, a solid-type floor on the first floor, because granted, when you have a floating floor, you're going to hear some hollow sounds, you can put plywood down and attach that to the concrete using uh, screws or nails, you know, concrete nails, things like that, and then nail the wood floor to the plywood. And that will work just fine. But you can still have moisture come up that can affect the plywood, but it, it's typically not as bad. And, and I say that uh, reluctantly, but I, I don't usually see a lot of problems with that. It's usually just the glue down ones where the glue just, there happens to get enough moisture through where the glue softens. Okay, another question. The bowl will not stay full on one of my toilets. The tank stays full and does not leak. After flushing, the bowl fills up and then slowly drains until there's very little water left in it. Is this repairable or do I need a new toilet? That's extremely repairable because typically what's causing that is a vent problem. You know, the pipes under your slab, the drain pipes, the reason they all have vents is they're just like straws. They get water in them. It doesn't go anywhere unless there's a vent, which in the case of a straw, you put your finger over the top, you can pick it up full of water, you like lift your finger off, the water drains out. Your pipes do the same thing. Well, if your vent for the toilet gets plugged, it will start pulling the water out of the bowl after it fills up until it releases enough. And a lot of times what you'll hear is just a little while later, the water level goes all the way down, and every once in a while you'll hear a little gurgle sound where it, uh, an air bubble will actually go through the P-trap in the toilet. That's really all the problem is. So in order to fix this, you go up to the roof, and you can either run a garden hose down through the roof vent, 
got to be careful. Make sure there's no breaks in the vent. But you can run a garden hose down through there to try to unclog it or run a snake down through the vent. Either way, get that clog undone, and I think the toilet will be just fine. That's actually a very common problem once a vent gets plugged. And there's a lot of things that can plug the vents. Uh, most often, animals getting down in there. Yeah, there'll be birds will build a nest, squirrels will go down in there. There's all kinds of stuff that can happen with that. So, uh, but venting of your drain lines is extremely important, and it's not unusual that if you start having that problem, uh, that it pulls from the bathtub next to a sink or the shower drain, because it's gonna pull from the path of least resistance. So, depending on how close the tub or shower drain is, it'll depend on where it's actually pulling from. Mary, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yes, um, I've got uh, several floors that in my house that are like a red Mexican tile. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, like a 12 by 12. And uh, they're supposed to be like a reddish grout in between them. Well, when they were doing the um, painting and sanding and all that kind of stuff, it got into the grout, and I can't get it out, and it's hard to keep that tile clean. So um, my question is, could I have that, uh, somebody really deep clean all of that and then put a coating over it all like a polyurethane or something like that? Absolutely. Um, what, basically what they'll do is they come in and steam clean them, and that gets everything out of the grout and brings it back to its nor you know rightful color. Uh -huh. uh, and then depending on what's on the surface of that tile right now, because this is the uh, Sateo tile? Um, I, yeah, there's, it doesn't seem to be any coating or anything like okay. that. It's, like, very porous. Yep. So what after it's all been steam cleaned and, and done real well, yeah, there is there is a material that can be put over the surface uh, that seals not only the grout but also the tile itself. So it'll—and you can—whether you want a glossy finish on it or— more of a satin finish, that's your choice, but uh, it can absolutely be done. Uh, called Dalworth. Okay, Dalworth. And they, they've got the equipment for doing that. For the finish on it and everything? For the cleaning and everything. Wow, okay, all right. That's excellent. Thank you so much. You bet, Mary. You have a great weekend. Again, our number, 214-787-1080. And, and let me tell you, just... Even if you've got regular tile and, you you know, the, the grout lines, they get dark over time and such. You can keep the tile clean, but grout absorbs stuff that you just can't get out. That steam cleaning takes that, those grout lines and turns them new again. And, yes, then you can put a sealer on there. If you've got regular tile, they make bottles that have, like, little rollers on them or brushes in order to just put the sealer on the grout material itself. But on a Sateo tile, you can just coat the entire thing and seal it up. So that, And there is a different coating that you can use on that that uh, is more durable. Be prepared, though, that you have to do this periodically. Because just walking on it will wear the surface. You get down where you start getting stuff through, the, through that finish again. So periodically you do add to it. Uh, you'll see at commercial buildings, they do it all the time. You have to do it on your home as well, especially 
down the pathways through the middle of rooms and hallways and things like that where it's heavy traffic areas. Tracy, how can I help you? Yeah, I just discovered that I have uh, some hardwood floors. My house was built in 2006, and it's hardwood floors, and I can see where water's kind of, not water, but a wet stain coming up through the floor, uh-huh. and like in the middle of the house, so it's not near a wet wall or anything. And I'm looking at the windows and the doors. Everything functions fine. I don't see any signs that the house is shifting or a foundation problem. I'm trying to figure out what's my path forward. Built in 2006. And 2005, yeah. In 2000, okay. And it, it, the spot that's getting wet, is it, is, it, is it actually wet where you can feel and see moisture, or is it just staining the, the wood right now? Uh, the majority of the section, which is probably a two-by-four-foot section, is look like it's stained, but there's a small narrow strip that is physically moist. Okay, you got a you got a water leak. Uh, the plumbing, most of the plumbing in North Texas here, runs in the foundation, and I'll bet you that one of your copper pipes was touching a piece of the metal pipe or, or metal uh, reinforcing in the concrete slab, and has a little pinhole in it, and so uh- that's. I'll bet that's where the moisture is coming from. Is, is there a team that can tell without turning up the foundation what to start? Absolutely. I mean, you can isolate and find exactly where the leak is. Uh, there is sound equipment that can do that. Uh, you can call my office. Like I said, we have a full-fledged plumbing company at Due West, 972-406-0912. Or you could call American Leak Detectors. But I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a quick tip before you have anybody do any work there. Uh huh. If there is a leak, notify your insurance company. Okay. Because even though they may not cover the repair of the leak itself, most of the time on this type of water leak, they're gonna cover damage caused by and access to the water leak. Okay, that could be helpful. Yeah. So. Uh, you, you 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 really want to find out if there is a leak before you call the insurance company. And the easiest way to find that out, shut all the water off in the house. And make sure nothing is running. Go outside to the meter. And on the meter, there's typically two, two valves. One is a big one that spins really slow as the water's moving. But on there, there's usually a little triangle one. And if there's even a drip, that little triangle will move. Okay. If you've got all the water off in the house, all the toilets are shut off, faucets, nothing going to the ice maker, anything like that, and that little triangle is moving, that indicates you've got a leak somewhere. And quite honestly, I wouldn't bother calling a plumber. I would call my insurance company first because they will usually send somebody out to isolate where the leak is. They're going to give you a price on fixing it usually, uh, and you can get some other bids if you want, but... Uh, and I and I gotta be honest. A lot of times, I would go with somebody other than the insurance company's guy, but I would definitely start that route. You got to check your coverage first, but typically that's where you want to go. If it's sewage, that's not covered by most insurance, but the water line itself, in most cases, is. Okay, so if that that uh, meter is not spinning, it's probably on the drain side then. Huh? Well, if the meter's not spinning, yeah, you don't, you won't have a leak in it. You could have something on the drain side, but I got to be honest, unlikely. Okay. I, I'm, I'm 95% sure you're going to have a water leak in the pot of right. the water line. 
I'm going to go take a look at that right now. All righty. Good luck with that. Thank you. Courtney, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hey, Mr. Dutton. Uh, my question revolves around a, uh, a workshop I have in my backyard uh, or at my residence that we bought about a year ago, did a complete down to two-by-fours and, and bricks renovation. Uh, the workshop was there originally. Uh, well, I don't know when it was built, but it's been there a long time. Completely dilapidated, and so uh, we're at the next phase of the renovation, which is to rebuild my workshop. Okay. It's 20 by 20, uh, and I had a couple of questions that I wanted to see your advice on. Um, number one, uh, I've considered using structural steel versus treated lumber. And by structural steel, that's the term my dad used, but I'm talking about the, the steel two-by-fours versus wood two-by-fours. Right. Uh, my, ne my next question, uh, and so I I'll just emphasize that because I don't mean a steel building type thing, just the, the metal studs. Right. So there, there's that. And then secondly, uh, you, uh, well, I want to do hardy plank, um, and you had mentioned a system a moment ago uh, at that deer cabin or what have you that you described. Is that for a workshop purpose, is that a cost prohibitive system, um, or is that something that you'd recommend for a general purpose workshop? And then lastly, uh, the air conditioning, is that something that in a workshop, uh, you, you said a ductless air conditioner system. Um, I'm interested to know a little more about that uh, and what my options would be in terms of a uh, irregular use outbuilding. Do I really want to put an AC unit or not? And if, the, if I do, what are some of my options to keep it efficient and, and affordable? Well, let, let's start with the air conditioning first. You know, if you're going to put all your tools out there, unless you're going to have big doors open for you know, bringing stuff in and out or working on stuff that's partially in or partially out, I would recommend putting in an air conditioning system. And for no other reason than to keep it dehumidified for all your tools. And okay. you know, I know most of us keep our tools out in the garage and, and uh, they last a long time. But really, if you want to keep them up the way they're made to be, keep them in a shop like that with an air conditioner that instead of being down on, you know, 75 degrees, Turn it up to 85 or 88 degrees, something along that line. It keeps it dehumidified, and just, okay. it really takes care of everything much better for you, um, including any lumber that you're working on in there. Now, as, as far as putting up the building, I personally, for a shop area like that, would go with wood studs. And the main reason I say that, you typically want to be hanging stuff on the walls. And metal studs are not very good for hanging stuff. Okay. Other than that, I have no problem with metal studs. They are typically used, though, in commercial buildings, uh, not in not in anything that's going to be a load-bearing wall. They're, but, and don't get me wrong, they do make metal studs for load-bearing walls as well. But typically, by the time you get them strong enough, it's, it's cheaper and easier to just get the wood studs and, and do it that way. So okay. I would go I would go that route if it was me. Uh, and mostly because if I'm going to insulate the walls and everything, I'm going to hang something on the inside as well. For me, I'm going to either put plywood on the inside or pegboard so that I can hang stuff. I, I love having my tools out where I can see them. Uh, as far as the insulating that I was talking about, that's really standard course 
for putting up a, a hardy type wall. So if I was building the shop, which I need to do one myself, but yes, I would put wood studs, plywood on the inside. I would then put my insulation. I would have my radiant barrier, my plywood on the outside. The, and you can either use Tyvek or Hardy wrap, either one, and my and my Hardy siding on the outside. And uh, what you're going to find is that is going to be one stout building. You don't have to worry about it blowing away as long as it's anchored well to the slab. Uh, if a tree falls on it, it's just going to bounce. I mean, I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's that building's going to be stout. Okay. Uh to and that it's not, point. And, and and your question was was it is it cost prohibitive? Not at all. Insulation is dirt cheap. Radiant barriers are extremely cheap, uh, and you're going to put the 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 hardy siding on it anyway. So, no, it it really wouldn't cost you that much, and you would have a building that you could go out to if you use that ductless system like I was talking about. Uh, you know the beauty. Full thing about that is you'd have not just air conditioning but heating as well. So you could go out there year round and do, and do stuff. Okay, and what is that? Is that just uh, you have a unit with just one big uh, vent uh, for the whole place, or what? What's the what is the ductless system? Well, a ductless system uh, basically you have a smaller outside unit. You still have an outside unit, just like regular air conditioners do, but they're, they're typically a lot smaller. Uh, and then it has the copper tubes that go into what's called a head unit that hangs on the wall. And the best description I can give you as, as far as what that looks like is if you go into a hotel room, the part that has the AC, you know, the vents on it and the control knob, you know, which, what is typically usually, what, 10 or 12 inches tall and about 3 or 4 feet wide? Right, right. That's kind of what it looks like. It doesn't have all the other stuff underneath it just that part that blows the air out hanging up on the wall and a lot of these systems now the reason they call them ductless is you can you just run copper pipes to other rooms and have another unit hanging on the walls uh, okay and so you don't have to run ducts all through the house anymore now you do have that unit hanging there but uh they are extremely energy efficient in fact they are really more energy efficient than using uh, central air and heat, especially for people who decide they want to close down part of a house and not use it. These ductless systems are ideal for that. A central, well, this would, be a, this would be a single room, 20, right. by, 20 by 20 shop, so that sounds about ideal. Oh, it, uh, it, it, it'd be perfect for that. Then uh, let me ask one final question. I'll, I'll quit being stingy with your time. Oh, that's uh, okay. It's a 20 by 20 shop. Believe it or not, uh, it's dilapidated as all get out, but it's probably the driest place that you can find on the earth. I mean, it, I don't know how it stays so dry in there, but it does. In terms of cost of uh, building, is it is trying to salvage part of it? Uh, and, and when I say part of it, I mean essentially just the roof and the, the uh well, What's the matter upper, with the walls that you got to replace them? The floor plates are all rotted out. Uh, the studs are rotted about two to three to four feet up. Okay. Different pieces of the studs are in uh, okay condition, but they're, uh, you know, a lot of them are rotted from the ground up, and almost all the floor plates are rotted out. So, Are you within city limits anywhere? We are. We're in the city limits of Dallas. Okay. 
if it was me, I would rebuild what I have. If you go and uh, build a new one, you're going to have to go get all the permitting for new construction, which is a royal pain in the butt. Okay. By building what you've got, you're you're going to be virtually circumventing all the permitting uh, because you're 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 basically just remodeling what you have. Now, if you're right. doing some, yeah, you know, the AC would have to be in a, a permit and things like that. But as far as uh, just going in and redoing the studs and the sill plate and all that, you would be exempt from having to pull a permit for that. Okay. Yeah, we've been through the permitting process. We kind of gc to our own uh renovation and so uh we've been down that road i know exactly what you're talking about there yeah uh do you have any recommendations uh on your website or anywhere for people that that uh general contractors that could manage a project like this small project like this i don't have any gcs on my website uh because they typically operate in given areas if you shoot me an email i can probably refer you to somebody okay all right uh, if if the permitting was something we chose to do, um, is is just tearing it down and starting all over? Is that uh, in terms of cost? And I, let me just it's, it's going to be a lot more expensive to do that than tend to rebuild what you do what you have. Well, the the issue with our house was by the time we got through renovating it, we could have built minus the land, built a new house for the same amount of that we spent renovating it, and so. Yep. That's the part I go, well, heck, if I'm going to spend all that money, I might as well just build it all new. But is that is that not hold true from your experience? Yeah, typically not, uh, especially, you know, given what you described to me, because you don't have to tear a whole wall out at once. I mean, literally what you would do is put supports underneath the, the, the ceiling joist, okay. jack the wall up to the right elevation so you can slide in a new sill plate underneath there. Right. And you'll cut off the studs, whatever you need, fish plate another piece underneath there, and a stud next to it, you know, to, to seal everything together. Uh, you're basically just building it in sections. Uh, okay. you know, we're, not, we're not talking about when you're redoing a house, you, you're getting into a lot more expense because you got to tear out the sheetrock and the bathroom and all that stuff before you can build back. When you're talking about garage or shop like this, you're typically not having to tear a bunch of stuff out. It's a matter of just taking the rotten wood out and replacing it. Gotcha. Okay. Well, man, that's a lot of great advice. I appreciate all the time you uh, spent with me. I look forward to finding some references on your website. All righty. Well, take care and good luck with the project. Thank you very much, Mr. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.